The following podcast is rated M.A.E. for Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. Friends, lend me your engineers. Welcome back. My name is Paul. I am here once again with Cameron. Hello, Paul. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here's our interview with Samaya. Space, the final frontier. What were the previous frontiers? Um, like the, the old ocean, west, the, the ocean, the, ocean. the, uh, uh-huh. the wild, wild west. Yes. Wild, wild west. What are we talking about? We have a guest today. <laughs> Samaya, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's so mm-hmm. great to be here. Is it? We'll find out. <laughs> you are a senior here, UCF. Yes. You are part of the um, mechanical and aerospace engineering department. You are an aerospace major. Yes, I am. What's that like? <laughs> tell me tell me about uh, that so this is senior year mm-hmm. um starting off a little rough start as you guys mentioned <laughs> with the hurricane yes. and some delays um still got exams starting next week time flies yeah especially when there's a hurricane right <laughs> that, that helps speed things up a little bit just so so my i first met you was it last year or earlier this year yep last year um i interviewed you because you were um part of the inaugural class that um, received the Brooke Owens Fellowship. Yes. So tell, tell me about what the Brooke Owens Fellowship is. How did that come together? So the Brooke Owens Fellowship is essentially a paid internship and mentorship program. Um, it all started with a woman named Brooke Owens who passed away too soon due to cancer, um, but she was a trailblazer in the aerospace and space industry. Um, she was courageous. She was very generous. I mean, she spent so much of her time helping children who were orphans um, because of their yeah. parents who had who died of AIDS or HIV. She um, was super creative in her spare time. She was a DJ and a, a stand-up poet. Um, and on top of all of that, she worked at NASA. She worked in the Office of Management and Budget in the White House and was a pilot and worked for the FAA. She was just all over the place. And, okay. you know, she died so soon, but she made a, a very long lasting legacy with everybody she knew um, she impacted. So and that's from coast to coast. I mean, she brought people together from all the way in Silicon Valley to all the way in D.C. and just about everybody in the space industry knew who she was. So when she passed away um, a little over a year ago, three people who knew her really well, Will Pomerantz, Lori Garver, and Cassie Lee Clobberance, um, the three of them are, are all very inspirational, you know, in who they are. Will, for example, is the VP of Special Projects at Virgin Galactic, and Lori used to be the Deputy Administrator of NASA, and Cassie is uh, the VP of Aerospace Applications at Vulcan Aerospace. Um, they're all wonderful people and all in complete separate parts of the U.S., and they knew mm-hmm. Brooke really well. So they decided to start this fellowship to honor Brooke and to represent her in a class of 36 fellows who would be paired up with a company, with a paid internship at a company, and um, two mentors, one inside of the company that they're paired with and one external to the company. So some of these companies include like SpaceX, uh, you know, Virgin Galactic, since mm-hmm. Will is very close with them, Um Orbital ATK, that's where I was placed, Ball Aerospace. So there were there were a lot of very uh, high-profile aerospace companies that partnered with the fellowship. Um, and then 
It really did exceed expectations. I don't think they had initially intended that 36 women would uh, be chosen for the fellowship. They were expecting maybe 10 or so women to apply. But yeah, so so it really did exceed expectations. Um, But yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. Just a paid internship and mentorship program. I remember that. You mentioned you were very excited about who one of your mentors (laughs) was going to be. Um, Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So Ellen Stofan, um, now she's a friend of mine. (laughs) Yeah. she A Facebook friend? Yeah, Facebook friend. That's official. official. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She used to be the chief scientist of NASA and... um, and I mean, being friends with her is interesting because she's so busy all the time. Like recently, she's like, let's Skype soon. Um, but I have to go to the Cassini end of mission events in, in California first. And I'm going to go out to Europe and then we'll find a time sometime in between. So she's <laughs> all over the place. So it's fun scheduling with her. But um, And then my, my other mentor I found out after we had um, our interview uh, internal to Orbital ATK is a woman named Sally, Sally Richardson. And she's one of the VPs of engineering in Orbital. Um, and she was phenomenal. I mean, because we worked very closely, we we were both located at headquarters when I was there over the summer. Um, she scheduled a meeting with me every other week and we just sat down and we we chatted. And then um, and then eventually after a couple meetings with her, she's like, okay, let's make this more productive. And so, so and, and she met that obviously in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. So she decided to start training me almost to um to become a good systems engineer because she noticed that being a systems engineer, at least that was what my internship was, um, that I was really enjoying it. And I was. I mean, it really is like what I was made out to be uh, from what I could tell Mm -hmm. in my experience and so she started doing these little training sessions with me instead of our casual chatting meetups and um she would go through some of the proposals that she wrote when she was a systems engineer obviously nowadays she's like an executive at the company so she doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore but I, i was just so happy that she took the time to sit down and talk about those things so that's that was a- that was a mentorship that I got. That's awesome. How did you yeah. find out about this opportunity in the first place? Um, back when I was a director of external affairs, I was managing the Twitter and I saw that Lori Garver, um, we we follow her uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, she's the prior deputy administrator of NASA. She's kind of a big deal. Sure. Um, I saw that she posted about the fellowship and I was like, wow, this seems like it. I would fit it pretty well. Um, so that's how I found out about it through social media. And then that's actually how most people found out about it from what I could tell, um, whether it was a Facebook post or their school shared it through their uh, social media. Um, I know Purdue is really active on on Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter. So so that's how most people found out. And well, just uh, just for the record, MAE is on Twitter. Yes. At UCF MAE. Come, come, come tweet at us. Uh, I actually do. From the said Twitter, of course, from yeah, time of course, to time. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, for people that are interested in possibly applying, is how, how would they go about doing that? So um, this year, the application is just about the same exact thing as last year, but it's just in a different electronic format. Um, it is. I would say it is a bit of an intensive application process compared to most scholarships, but I mean, this is uh, really just a once in a lifetime opportunity, or I guess a, a four times in a lifetime since you're an, only an undergrad for like four years. Um, so essentially, you have to write an essay based on, uh, you know, you can choose between nine different prompts. And um, the fellowship doesn't they don't focus on your GPA or what your major is even. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the girls who were chosen are history majors or political science majors. So it's not just focused on aerospace engineering students. Um, but we should. So I guess we should point out that this is, this is for women only. 
This is for women only. Okay. Yeah, undergraduate women only mm -hmm. pursuing careers in the space industry or aerospace industry. Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. Cameron. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they do like to see a creative side, though. So in the applications, they ask for an essay in another form of media, mm -hmm. um, whether it be through a poem. So I did a poem. Um, I also did a video and an essay. Um, the videos turn out really well. Uh, some of them are published on YouTube. So if you want to check out examples, you could definitely look up Brooke Owens Fellowship Application videos on YouTube. Um, and they also ask for a couple of recommendation letters and simple things like transcripts or a resume. Um, but yeah, so I guess just the, the couple of forms of media, though, I would definitely recommend making them as creative as you can because they really love to see that creative aspect. Considering this fellowship is supposed to honor Brooke, who was mm -hmm. a really, really outgoing and, and very adventurous person, they want to see those traits in the people they select. Talk about your experience on on the fellowship. What did you learn? What did you take away? So uh, I was, I think location had everything to do with the experience I had, to be quite honest. Um, the girls were, all 36 women were sort of placed in different areas around the U.S., but we were clustered in, in major space communities because um, that's just how the, the space industry is really. Um, and those major communities were L.A., Seattle, and D.C., and there was one girl all alone in Atlanta. I felt so bad, poor thing. But I mean, she still had a great time. Um, and I was one of the D.C. fellows, and there were 10 of us um, up in the D.C. metro area. So I, like I said, I was at Orbital ATK. Some of the other fellows in the D.C. area were at the Airline Pilots Association, at Ball Aerospace, um, a couple other startup space companies in the area. Um and we grew so close. I mean, honestly, like immediately upon meeting each other, because it's not really that often that you meet other women interested in aerospace or space. Um, and that that's primarily the reason why this uh, fellowship was made is to sort of connect these women and form a cohort of women who will support each other throughout their careers as they develop through their careers. Um and yeah, like I said, immediately upon meeting each other, we just clicked and we spent the entire summer together every single weekend. It was so much fun. So give give me an idea of a typical typical day. What you, you, you get to work, what, what do you do? So at Orbital, um, a typical day as a systems engineer, I guess I should specify. Um, so I worked in a sort of new program within Orbital. Um, I, For those of you who aren't aware of Orbital ATK, uh, the main part of what they do in the space industry is make rockets, uh, mostly using solid rocket fuel. Um, but I didn't work on rockets. I worked in the commercial, the more commercial aspect of what Orbital is doing nowadays. Um, and they have a program called CYRUS, the Commercial Infrastructure for Robotic Assembly and Services. And essentially what it is, is it's an in-space robotic manufacturing and assembly uh, satellite that helps to manufacture and, and sort of service other satellites in orbit. So um, the program I was on is mostly in the developmental phase since it's only like two years old. And... Uh, a lot of the systems engineering that we did was mostly to help design it. Um, and just general systems engineering tasks included uh, trade studies and 
um, working with a model-based systems engineering application, which is really like a whole new field within systems engineering. Um, so it was, yeah, like I said, mostly in the developmental phase. And it was almost like being a part of a startup within a larger company. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a, a great experience. Is um, that the sort of work that uh, after graduation you you hope to be involved with? Absolutely. Um, I always knew that I wanted to take on some kind of managerial position, um, but also still stay involved with all the technical decisions being made for a program. Um, and I think systems engineering has that perfect balance of of having that higher level overview of a program, but also still being able to help with the key design decisions. Um, so I can I can absolutely see myself going into systems engineering, especially for something like robotic assembly and services in space, um, because I I love robots. It's it's really been a, a huge part of the making of my interest in engineering. <laughs> there was something we talked about in in our interview, um, and it was it was something that I didn't realize existed. And you you wanted to be involved? Is it space politics or space? What was it? So um, being in D.C., yeah, I, I am very interested in space politics. Mm-hmm. Um, or so, policy. Is that what? Mm-hmm. Is that the same? Or is Yeah, that, same thing, I guess. Um, so it was nice to be. <laughs> Cameron's like, no, they're different. They're, they're space close. politics is, is where you elect the president of space. Yeah. The president of space. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you can't really elect NASA administrators. They're appointed by the president. So, yeah, I mean, right now it's going okay, though. I think <laughs> um, <laughs> the best we can hope for, really, yeah. given all the circumstances. <laughs> um, but yeah, being a part of space policy is really great, especially being in the DC area and seeing it so up close. Um, I got to hang out with Lori Garver quite a bit, the the woman who used to be deputy administrator of NASA, one of the founders of the fellowship, and she told us a lot of her experiences working in policy. Um, she was appointed under Obama's administration and. She was a part of the whole um, cancellation of uh, the Constellation program, and um, she can talk your ear off about, you know, how how the SLS program is effective and how it isn't, um, and all these new things that are happening with NASA right now, and, you know, using the commercial space industry in adjacent to NASA um, to really promote the space econo- economy and... Um, but yeah, I mean, space policy is definitely something that I want to get into, um, but I think it might be something after I become a systems engineer and become really proficient in what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do love um, going to the Hill and advocating for policy, you know, meeting with with staffers of congressmen. Um, and it's always good to, you know, get your voice out there with these congressmen, because if there is nobody advocating for space policy, then no money's going to go to NASA and we're never going to go to space. So so that's why I think it, it really is a key mission for um, us space geeks to continue advocacy and and continue to fight for the space politics that we want to see. Do you think uh, that we are in a time now where space is a priority or has has it sort of gone down a few pegs in in terms of what people are are concerned with or interested in? Um, I certainly think the public isn't as engaged in space exploration as they were during the Apollo era, era mm-hmm. of course, um, because back then it was more so for competitiveness rather than for the purposes of exploring. Um, but. I don't think that anybody dislikes space. 
I the only the only feedback about possibly disliking space that I've ever heard is that maybe the money that's put towards NASA could be used towards better things. Um, but in reality, not a lot of the federal budget is put towards NASA to begin with. So I think with the money that NASA is being given, it's not they're doing a lot with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're yeah. doing they're exceeding expectations with the money that they're being given. Um, but I I don't I don't necessarily necessarily think anybody dislikes space exploration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might not be as engaged in it as they were before. Where do you do you think part of maybe the reason why people are not as engaged is they don't think that in their lifetime they will will get to see that next big thing like we we've been to the moon can we get people to mars is that something that we're going to get to see in the next 30 40 years so i don't have the answer to that question but i mean i i certainly think that there's a possibility that you know before i pass away we will probably get to mars um and I think it it takes baby steps, right? So with the program that I was working on with a robotic assembly and and servicing program for in-space satellites and, and just general in-space vehicles, um, things like that, you know, promoting a space economy is what's going to build into how we get to Mars and making that next giant leap. So it's not it's not necessarily going to be a giant leap, so to say. It's going to be a sequence of of improvements. Do you think that that SpaceX was a game changer, taking it into the the private sector? Is that something that's going to jumpstart a lot, move us much much faster to our to our goals than if it was all governmental? Yeah, I absolutely think that like the the billionaires that are you know putting their hands into the space industry nowadays, like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and uh, Sir Richard Branson. I mean, they're they're really pushing the the private industry to make advancements in space. I mean, it's unfortunate that you have to be a billionaire to be able to do that, but um, it's great that they're kickstarting the private space industry. Um, Orbital ATK is also one of those commercial space influencers um, when they started the Pegasus and uh, the Cygnus program. Now that SpaceX is actually starting to launch satellites and um, and even uh, spy satellites with their Falcon 9, um, they really are ramping up the commercial space industry. Another thing that we talked about um, during the interview was um, um, science fiction and how there actually, Cameron laughs, but there actually are some <laughs> science fiction movies that get it right. And one of those movies was The Martian with uh, Matt Damon. They, that sort of delved into space space policy. And that you, you, you said at the time that that was a pretty accurate portrayal of how, how that works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think some of the disputes that we saw within the NASA administrators um, and I mean, even the science behind the movie, obviously, I'm, a lot of it was very accurate. It was a great portrayal of how NASA runs um, runs their politics and their missions. Um, also, I think The Martian is just a really great example of how we are getting the public interested in space again. Um, so I'm so happy to see movies like The Martian and Interstellar being big hits in the theater. So just wanted to say that. So another there, another thing that when we talked earlier, you you mentioned that you will be the chair of Space Vision uh, when UCF hosts the national conference this fall. It's fall. Is that is that coming up? Yeah, that's coming up in November. Um, so the annual conference of SEDS, the Students for the Exploration and Development of Space, um, 
the national annual conference is hosted by a different SEDGE chapter every year. So um, I think it all started with MIT. And um, the past couple of years were uh, Boston University and Purdue University. And now we have the honor of hosting it. Um, and we, as in said, at UCF, mm-hmm. we are going to be hosting it in Cape Canaveral. The theme is Ignite because rockets at Cape Canaveral Ignite to launch. Um, so we figured of all the places in Central Florida that we might want to host it, if there's going to be a bunch of, and we're talking like 400 or so space nerd students coming <laughs> it's in. A, it's a big bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's a big bunch. Um, so we'd expect that they, of all the places they want to go in Florida, it'd be the Space Coast. So that's why we chose Cape Canaveral. Um, it is a huge opportunity for students, especially interested in uh, a, a space career, to network, um, and not only just with other students around a nation who are interested in space, but also to network with professionals. Um, a lot of SEDS alumni around the nation like to attend just to see what's going on with SEDS nowadays. Um, and so, you know, some of the high-profile speakers that we have, one of them being Lori Garver, who I mentioned a couple times already. <laughs> um, Phil Larson used to work at SpaceX and also the White House, now works for CU Boulder. Um, those are just a couple of the, the high-profile names that we have attending. Um, you know, you get to network with these speakers and these alumni and these other students around the nation. You get to attend the career fair where a bunch of space companies are are going to be recruiting from, you know, this this amazing group of, of said students who are completely self-selected and motivated about space. Um, and it's really just a great opportunity to learn about the space industry because it's not it's not just NASA and SpaceX doing stuff, right? You know, there's Blue Origin, there's ULA, there's there's so many people who, um, so many companies who are using space vision as a way to get their name out to this younger generation of space industry employees and leaders. So I definitely think uh, being at Cape Canaveral for space vision this November is is a huge opportunity, especially since it's so local, you know? Mm-hmm. Next time, uh, next year, it's going to be hosted by University of California, San Diego. So um, I would definitely say if you have the opportunity to attend space vision now that it's so close, then yeah. take advantage of that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, if people aren't interested in getting involved where can they learn more about Space Vision? So uh, the website is spacevision.seds.org. Um, you can find the program, the speakers, uh, contact information. You can contact me. Uh, my email is listed on the website as well. Um, and if you want to find out more about SEDS USA, their website is just seds.org. They're a phenomenal organization. Um, so like I said, there are over, I think, 80 chapters around the nation. So um so SEDS USA just sort of brings all those chapters together, even though each chapter does their own thing. We we are more of the technical, one of the technical chapters um, among SEDS USA. Some chapters are solely dedicated to space outreach with community events. Um, you know, some chapters are formatted like a company. Uh, it's kind of crazy how how professional UC San Diego is. I mean, they they. Uh, request applications and go through pretty intensive interview processes for their mm. SEDS members. And then they have this whole list of uh, not even projects, like they, they call them products um, that they build and they actually uh, have customers to lend those products out to. So um, so every SEDS chapter is a little different. And I definitely think Space Vision is a good way to meet each each of the members and all their different perspectives. So as Cameron knows, I'm a big Star Wars fan. 
if you have, are you familiar with the the films? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I I feel like we should just make this a theme in the show. Every episode. Yes. Um in a in a previous episode or a future episode depending on when I air these, you, you you will be introduced to Clarence who works at UCF and he is a big fan of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> he may be the only Jar Jar Binks fan in the world. Um <laughs> Probably. So I, I maybe we should ask from now on uh, who is your favorite s- character in Star Wars? Princess Leia. Princess Leia. That, that's yes. a great answer. She's yeah. good. <laughs> do you want to say why? Um, I think it just has everything to do with my whole motto of uh, of standing up for for very strong empowered women. <laughs> so I think that's probably why. I want to thank everybody for listening today, and we will be back next week with a brand new Lend Me Your Engineers. And as always, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day, and tomorrow is just a dream away.